Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to a bonus edition of the Attacking Scrum podcast. Rugby World Cup is only nine months away now, so we're starting to ramp up our World Cup-related programmes, and this is the first. So in this podcast, we look at not only our favourite Rugby World Cup memories, but we start to get a bit overexcited about Wales's chances. Uh, we also examine Wales's route out of the group, what that might look like, daring to dream if there's an opportunity for a, a mouth-watering quarter-final against England, and uh, yeah, God knows what might what might come after that. Uh, and we also examine what to expect from Japan as a host nation. So joining us to do all of this is a man who knows Japan very well, Mark Gardner, the founder of MSG Tours. And if you're thinking about going to Japan, we've teamed up with MSG Tours to offer you some great deals. So just for inquiring about a trip, you'll be entered into a draw for a pair of Wales versus England tickets uh, for the Rugby World Cup warm-up game in uh, the 17th of August. So all you've got to do is, is inquire and you can get entered into that. So that's a, that's a great opportunity for you. And if you do go ahead and book a trip, uh, you'll get a bespoke attacking scrum polo shirt and you'll get a discount off your trip by quoting the code ATTACK. All of these details are on our pinned tweet on Twitter at Attacking Scrum. So do go and check that out. And hopefully this gets you in the mood for Rugby World Cup because there's lots more content to come. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Welcome to the Attacking Scrum podcast. Thank you very much indeed for downloading. Now, with less than a year to go to the Rugby World Cup, we're going to start focusing on just that. Seems uh, seems miles away, Dan, doesn't it, the World Cup? But the reality is, is we're only, well, yeah, less less than a year to go. It'll soon be upon us. And it, it will soon be upon us. So much like we did with our Lions Memory Series, uh, where we had a series of different people come on and, and talk through their favourite moments as Lions fans. We're going to be doing the same for the World Cup. So having a look back at some of the greatest, uh, some of the greatest moments that you've experienced as a as a Rugby World Cup fan, and doing that to to preview Rugby World Cup 2019. And specifically in this episode, we're going to be having a look at Japan and what to expect uh, from the host nation. 
Joining us to do all of this is Mark Gardner, making his uh, debut on the attacking scrum. How are you doing, Mark? I am very well, thank you. Now you're um, as well as being uh, as well as being a Welsh rugby fan, uh, as well as being a, a loyal listener to the attacking scrum. You are also founder of MSG Tours, and uh, so you know, I guess you've got that brilliant job of being able to, yeah, being able to combine your your day job with uh, with being a rugby fan as well. Yeah, growing up, I always wanted to be a stuntman. <laughs> up until a very late and embarrassing age actually <laughs> uh, but after, after that I, I do think that uh, I am very lucky to have a fantastic job because I basically get to run a business where my primary role is to is to scout the world find the most amazing places and, and, and bring them to life in the form of rugby trips sports tours for clubs, schools and, and universities Fantastic and um, we're going to start by talking about what your first Rugby World Cup memory is. Um, is there one that immediately springs to mind or were you too busy watching Evil Knievel and, uh, <laughs> and dreaming of being a stuntman? Well, I was probably too busy jumping off slides thinking I was, uh, <laughs> and I can remember an awful lot of stitches growing up that uh, convinced me I wasn't the best at that. My first memory, it was a live memory, yeah. 1991, Pontypool Park, the great Pontypool Park, on, on the, the most disgusting day ever <laughs> it's weather weather wise only ever rained there oh yes yeah. yes only ever um and i went on to play at pontypool park which is which which is uh, which is lovely in my my youth days for the for the club but being there as what a 12 or 13 year old watching australia versus western samoa mm. that's how long it was when they were known as western, yeah, Samoa, exactly. western samoa on the banks there with the uh, chepstow school and i think the tickets must have been uh, three pounds or yeah. four pounds or enough to basically fill a bus and, and get the afternoon off school to yeah. go and watch it whether it's a Tuesday or a Wednesday so this would, this would have been the 91 World Cup of course the one where Western Samoa famously beat Wales and dumped them out and dumped them out in the, uh, in the pool stages as well so uh, yeah I suppose uh, might not be fond memories, uh, memories fond memories for us as Wales fans but yeah, I was there that, that really? Were you? yeah yeah I was there yeah can't can't remember it that well but uh, yeah I was there for that game with my dad. Oh God, yeah, my brother, yeah, and yeah, of course that famous line. Thank God, thank goodness you weren't playing the whole of Samoa. That's it. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> whatever it was. Eight years later, we managed to lose uh, the whole of Samoa. Yeah. Point, so, uh, there we go. Um, Danielle, what about you? Would would that be your earliest World Cup memory then? Yeah, probably is my earliest that, which is not a great, mm. not a great one, is it? But I still, I remember just, just still loving it because it was it was the World Cup mm. and just thinking you know the atmosphere was was great um and just going to the game with you know with my brother and my dad just sort of made it made it extra special yeah. even though i think my dad wasn't in the greatest of places afterwards but he was you know it just felt it just felt mm. good um mm. but I, sp- I suppose coming to my that was that was you know a long time ago i'm i mean one that sticks with me is um is lomu yeah you know just the impact he he came in sort of you know was it 1999. 1995. Uh, well, yeah, that when he when he sort of he had, he had eight, you know, eight tries in the end in that in that sort of uh, at that time, and I don't know. He just sort of seemed to change the game, didn't he? Really? I did. I remember watching. I remember watching that on my nan's on my nan's portable TV in in the back bedroom in Newport, and uh, <laughs> a kind of grainy grainy picture, you know, coat hanger aerial type thing. And uh, I remember, yeah, that watched that game against Ireland, and just thinking. Who on earth is this? Because I'd never seen anything like it. It didn't seem real. It wasn't just like it was a big lad. It was a guy who could run full tilt 
and three or four men just just couldn't get close to him. It, 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 it honestly, it, it did. It changed the game. It changed the game forever. Yeah, mm. it did. Yeah, it's, um, just looking back at the clips now, he, he just the game has changed so much, hasn't it? Since then, you didn't see someone of that size running at that pace mm. and with such balance as well. Yeah, um, and a lovely bloke with it. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. gone gone far too soon. Pound for pound, if you put George North next to him now, Logan would be bigger. And um, he's a bit taller. Six, 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 six. Is he six five? Yeah, six, 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 he was. Six. Yeah. Um, it's just astonishing how he's moving. I see what you say. Like, mm. would he seem that? How big would he be now? Yeah. He'd still be big, wouldn't he? <laughs> but he would. wouldn't be. Back then, it was it was huge, wasn't it? It was yes. like a giant playing against, you know, very small people. It would be amazing to see it. Yeah, I was going to say, because yeah, defences have probably improved a bit since Eric Elwood's day, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just kind of. Falling, falling off him. Yeah, he would at ten. Hell of a kicking game on him. He's, yeah, he kicked the leather off the yeah, ball, wouldn't he? Not known for tackling. No, yeah, ninety-five would be my foot, the one where I remember the, everything. I remember every single game of that World Cup. I remember tiny bits and pieces of ninety-one. I don't remember Wales losing to Western Samoa. I remember the final and my dad and my dad and my brother sat there cheering on Australia and just kind of starting to get my head around that England-Wales rivalry. That was yeah. kind of the first time, first time I kind of experienced it. Uh, what about favourite moment then as a, as a Wales fan? Either live or watching on telly, what's the, what's the one that, that really kind of sticks with you? I'll start with you on this one, Dan. Yeah, favourite for me has got to be um, the England, England versus Wales, mm. 2015. I was there, so it was live. I went with um, a group of uh, bankers, got invited through, through work, and uh, didn't know the guys terribly well at all, and just they were so they were so confident, you know. And I just you know, that classic sort of Welsh thing, where like, well, you know, what do you think then, you know, Taffy? And I said, well, you know, it's just <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit nervous, you know, just sort of just bending in. And yeah, that moment when Lloyd put that mm. beautifully weighted left footed kick in, plus with him being from Cowbridge, I can as say, well. yeah, that try was made in Cowbridge, wasn't yeah, it? it just but yeah, there was so much still to do, wasn't there, for oh, Gareth? Yeah. You think every time you look back at that the, the way in which he picked that up it, it, it gets better and better I mean, what a phenomenal yeah. skill yeah at, at that pace as well um, yeah so that for me is, got, is, is right is, is up there that game moment. that game definitely sticks in the memory for me as well I was we were on holiday in um, in Antigua we picked up one of these like um, all inclusive late you, you'd know the pricing around these Mark but um, <laughs> yeah we picked up one of these basically it was an absolute bargain and the missus had gone oh, right, well, I'm going to book this I'm going to book this have you got the time to take off work I said yeah yeah that's fine I didn't pay any attention to the dates and then all of a sudden I thought oh my god I'm going to be out there I'm going to be out of the country yeah and I think because someone had offered me a ticket and I went oh, let me check the diary Oh my God, schoolboy! Like, what have I done? So you know, sat on um, uh, you know, like scorching hot Caribbean sunshine outside, and I'm sat inside googling who's got the rights to the Rugby World Cup in the Caribbean. <laughs> like, there's no telly show, no big TV screen on the um, in the hotel showing it or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I did manage to again to watch it on like the the small TV in the in the bedroom, and. Um, yeah, I was I was sick with nerves that whole day. We'd we drunk too many uh, too many all inclusive pina coladas the night before, and I woke up at six a.m. on match day, and kickoff was eight p.m. UK time, which luckily was about two p.m. or three p.m. in the in the Caribbean. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't think about anything else all day. I was just thinking, oh god, this this game meant it just meant so much. And to get out on the winning side with all those injuries, that yeah, that in, was pretty when you look at the injury list as well, it was. They, they they thought they had it, didn't they? They did. And I think I think we we did as well. Really, that's the we all, we we probably thought as well that it was. It, 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 
it was a point where it couldn't get any worse. It was mm. it Tom Wood who accidentally inverted yeah. commas clashed into somebody and took out two of our boys yeah. at the same time. Yeah, that's right. You could see Warburton hand on hips, thinking, yeah. what, "What do we do here now? How do, how do we how do we manage this?" There is there is a moment. It's when yeah, I think Liam Williams goes down. Hallamain Ross dislocates dislocates his shoulder, shoulder, handing someone off, and then you you've got a comment. Someone else goes down at the same time as well. So you've got three people lying on the floor it, it looked like like a Vietnam movie you know what I mean it's like you're watching the opening scenes of Platoon all of a sudden and uh, yeah to get out of that just to get out of that was just um, that's real strength of character stuff so yeah yeah, that one definitely sticks in the memory what about, what about you Mark when it comes to, when it comes to favourite what's the one that really kind of well, sticks in the memory I'm going to have to be greedy and say a couple but oh, I'll dwell on. on the first one because you guys have covered it yeah. well there's, there's, there's no being a, a Welshman living in England and where I'm from in, in Derbyshire you can pretty much count them on one hand <laughs> um, so instead of going to my local rugby club in Derby with my good pal uh, Simon Rolfs we decided that well before the game we, we were a little bit worried that we, we were we weren't favourites of the match we thought we'd just stick, to, stick it take it easy and we watched it on Simon's sofa watching the game and his dogs were in the corner we had a couple of beers a little bit calm and of course as, as, the, as the game progressed we um, we got into it and then that, that famous moment where we, we went over and it was one of those times where you're not celebrating too loudly but you just feel very very good inside and you chinky you chink your glasses and you, yeah. and you move on probably my booziest memory was being at university 1999 it was one of those Thursday night moments Shall we go to Paris? Yeah. <laughs> um, so everyone said, well, we can't. It's, it's on Saturday. How are we going to get there? No problem at all. I'll sort it. <laughs> um, a good friend of mine, Mike Powell, at the time, who was recently retired, he went on to play for Bridge End, Celtic oh, Warriors, oh, yeah. Exeter yeah. University. Uh, we were at college together. Yeah. He didn't have a game that weekend. He was commuting back to Pontypool all the time. So he said, I'll drive to Dover. So I got us tickets for the ferry going over there. Then we got a train in Calais down to Paris, got there, then worked out somewhere to stay. And we met yeah. this Belgian fella who helped us find a room for about 10 francs a night. And uh, drank right through the night, went to the game the next day. And it was that famous game where, in the 19, I think it was Martin Williams who might have scored in the corner. Yeah. Or sort of scored. When he tapped. Yeah, because it tapped quick, quick tap. The game was a bit blue, but we won. It wasn't by much, but it was a real, really rare away victory in, in Paris on on a wonderful day. So the randomness of 40 days before, not even thinking we were going to be there. Yeah. But, but it was a long journey back. Was that was that not um, Grand Slam? Was that a Grand Slam game? It was, I have a feeling that was that was part of the 05 Grand Slam, I, wasn't it? When, well, I'm thinking, yeah, when, mm. when Martin tapped and went. Yeah. I, was, I was there. I was there in France for that one. Yeah, it was obviously a different, yeah, diff- a different occasion. But yeah, that was. Well, I'm just thinking of that. Mm. Yeah, for me, that was an, that was an amazing. Uh, it sounds like it sounds like this. Kind so many of, memories this, coming through. This has been a, a pretty good grounding for you, Mark, in what you've done as a career as well. <laughs> kind of uh, hopping on plane, you know, like John Candy, planes, trains, automobiles, <laughs> type of stuff. Um, yeah, is that where it started? Well, yes, it's, it, it's very much in my in my DNA. I think. <laughs> probably my nomadic bones growing up in the village in the middle of nowhere is that when I used to go to primary school it was five miles on the bus yeah. when we got to comprehensive it was seven miles the other way so and if you played rugby after school which we which we all yeah. did then you missed the bus so it was a it was a, a two mile walk into Chepstow to get a five mile bus back home again when you're 11 years old and, yeah. you're, and you're freezing in the winter so if you're not afraid of logistics then it's a problem
Well, that's good. Let's talk about Japan then, because I suppose it's one of those places that isn't perhaps on the regular, um, you know, the regular circuit for for rugby fans. And I suppose that's what really makes it quite intriguing, quite exciting. Um, you wrecked it a couple of times. What can we expect from Japan? I was, um, I haven't admitted this to many people, uh, but I was very, very nervous on my first trip to Japan a couple of years ago because I had these preconceived ideas that it would be a a place where they were so highly strung mm. on respect and traditions that you know, I probably over-researched it, if that, if that makes sense, mm, and, and yeah. read so many different theories and blogs about what to do and, and, and what to do. It wasn't until about two or three days in that I really, really started to appreciate Japan for what it is and in a nutshell it is an absolutely stunning country very varied very diverse with some of the friendliest people you've ever met in your life and one of the common questions we get asked in this job is oh you must you get to travel the world mm. where's the best place you best place you've been to and you you can you can plot it when you chat to someone for the first time you can guess when that question's coming um, and having been around the globe a few times with the job, taking teams away, doing the recce's, I'm confidently talking now that Japan for me is the best place I've ever been to. And the second time I went there, it got a little bit better. Mm. And the third time I went there in September this year, it was the icing on the cake. So I got to see the sort of final pieces of the of the country that I missed out on previous trips. And consistently, in the way that many Europeans or Americans come to Britain and they perhaps only see London, that I managed to get all around the the, the country of Japan and realise that the, the bases where whales are playing are very much like Snowdonia or the Lake District, very mountainous, uh, very quiet mm. whilst they're there. Um, very which, is, which isn't what you think of, is it? You immediately, when someone says Japan, you think of you think of Tokyo and the the bustling, bustling bright lights, exactly, exactly that. And I think that suits whales. Suits whales. We base ourselves in the Vale, mm. which is a it doesn't want for anything there. It's a it's a beautiful setup, but it's quiet, isn't it? Mm, it is. It's, yeah, it's peaceful. It's, it's idyllic. And the two the two smartest people for me in this World Cup are Warren Gatland and Eddie Jones. Looking ahead to where the quarterfinals are going to be based, and certainly where Wales mm. are playing the last two games in the southern island of Kyushu, they've decided to warm up for the event and have their pre-tournament base camp actually on that island on on various coasts various coasts and being in an environment where another surprise for japan is that the, the climate mm. for that time of year in september october i did my recce this year a week after eddie jones did his his recce similar similar times very very different itineraries he traveled in a very different <laughs> class to me and, and had a much bigger entourage where it was pretty much just me and a couple of couple of colleagues on on mine but being there at this time i wore nothing longer than a short sleeve shirt yeah for the entire time yeah. that i was there and that's going into end september october now if you think of japan what, what weather wise what comes to your mind a question back to you boys do you know what? I don't know. I personally, I I would have thought down the the humidity route. That's that's what I would have thought yeah. would have been um, would have been like real sticky humidity. That's the thing that kind of would have sprung to mind with me. Yeah, I'd go along. Yeah, go along with the same. They have the, the, the same. All, July and August is not a place you want to be in Japan. Yeah, it's very much like that. But as it cools down in September, the 
Tokyo does get a lot of wind, mm. especially in September or October. So well, that might start to play an effect in, in some of the games in, in Tokyo and Yokohama because they don't have roofs in the stadium. Yeah. We're by England's first games in Sapporo and Kobe. They're indoor tracks. Okay. Yeah, so that, right. yeah. that'll, that'll play well for, for, for Eddie Jones. But as you get down to the Southern Island, which is where the quarterfinals are going to be, where the host venue, um, the, the winners of... Group C and Group D are all going to play there. That's where it's going to be maybe four or five degrees Celsius warmer and more humid than the likes of Tokyo or anywhere else in the country. So okay. being based there for the for the first time before the tournament gives those guys the chance to to, to adjust. Now, obviously, we're jumping ahead a few steps here by by talking about quarterfinals. And again, as we as we've already touched on with Western Samoa, uh, <laughs> Western Samoa, uh, you know, in fact, in that World Cup we we're talking about in 1995, yeah. we didn't get out of the pool stages. Likewise, uh, in 2007, we don't want to be counting our chickens. So, uh, where where will Wales be playing their their pool games? Who um, who are they going to be playing against? What time? What are the turnarounds like? Talk us through the, the pool stages first up, Mark. Well, Japan's got four four separate islands, and in many ways, it's, it is quite similar to the United Kingdom in that it has its Scotland, and it very much has its Cornwall. Mm. Okay, so imagine that Wales are going to be finishing the last two games in Cornwall, and England are starting up in up in Scotland. Okay, so they're starting right in the North Island of Hokkaido and playing in Sapporo. Whilst that is going on, Wales kick off against against Georgia, right in the centre of, of the country in Toyota, which is close to Nagano, a city that first came to British um, prominence with the legendary Gary Lineker, who went over there and played for Grand Grand say Yes, yeah, I did say, can you remember the team that he played? And, uh, Very impressive. That's right, Arsene Wenger managed them as well at one point. I don't know if it was at the same point in time. <laughs> football but, knowledge. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's coming. Only of the, only of the 90s. I got a great <laughs> football knowledge in the 90s after that. It, ended, it. it did, yeah. <laughs> so I've had a look at their... Their, their travel schedule for the way that Wales are going to bounce around mm. the country. They are going to stay for three and a half weeks in the southern island of Kyushu mm-hmm. and then come into the game right in the centre of Japan against Georgia a few days before for a long weekend, which is organised by the, the, the committees that you have mm-hmm. to be there for two or three nights uh, before every game and for the night afterwards. So they'll start in the centre of the country at sea level Against against Georgia in the Toyota Stadium, which is a couple of days after England kick off against Tonga in in the north, and I think that Wales have been really really lucky in how their their their, their schedule pans mm. out. Georgia is going to be a tough game. We know that with Graham Rowntree there being their new forwards coach, and I, I was told today that Kevin Morgan's over there as well, involved in the backs. So oh, that was ratty, yeah. yeah. The, Lovely player. He knows. Um, he knows a few. Uh, he knows a few moves himself. Between the first game in Toyota and Wales's second game, or the crunch game yeah. in, in Tokyo, Wales have got an eleven. Got a seven-day turnaround before that match. So seven full days yeah. to prepare for what is going to be the biggest game. Well, and Georgia as well. It's a. It's a tough warm-up. You know, it's not a. It's not like a walkover game where you're going to play your second string. It's one that should get you a little that bit battle hardened, good scrummaging test, ready to ready to put the Australian pack to the sword. I think that's that's a good um, yeah that's a, that's a, that feels like a good schedule and a full seven day turnaround. That that's a 
you couldn't ask for much more than that, I don't think. Look at the excitement on us already. I know. A bit, a bit, we're trying to pull it back a bit, and then you've got you've got. <laughs> I just hope the Georgians haven't got that fullback who. Uh, do you remember the oh, try yeah, against New incredible. Zealand? Absolutely yeah, gosh. In the, yeah. in the last World Cup, yeah, where was a beauty. Here's a question for you, Dan. Who got man the match in that game? Georgia v New Zealand. Can you remember the the occasion in the Millennium Stadium? Who got man of the match in that game? That's a great question. Yeah, I think I know this actually. Do you? I think mean, so. Yeah, because I'm presuming it's. I'm presuming it's a. I'm presuming it's a, um, it's a trick question because you normally yeah. it'd be from the winning side, and if it's not, it's got to be Mamaka Gorgadza. That's right. There was that yeah. wonderful, oh, what a man, wonderful picture of when the the camera when they announced it and they turned to him and he just did that half smile and this, this very humble wave and a, and a bow and a, and, a, and a thank you. It was, Beautiful to watch. I mean, oh, he wonderful, is wonderful player. He is a big, was, yeah. he is a big guy. Yeah, he's like, like he always felt you, like. You've met him. Have you met him? I have. I have met him, and I've I've shaken his hand, and I was somewhat disappointed. <laughs> I, I expected my knuckles to be broken, but he um, he's got a really beautiful soft skin. <laughs> <laughs> you never never think that, would you? No, no you wouldn't. I'd, I'd expect him like he yeah. just to just to be just to disappear. <laughs> never meet you. that that guy moisturizes. He. Um, Never meet your heroes. <laughs> he looks like yeah. something out of Prometheus. <laughs> yeah. like, it's like something from another planet. That's, it's almost in a way disappointing. That he's, uh, Surrounded uh, by Nivea. That he's, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah, it's uh, yeah, hell of a hell of a player. Anyway, he does listen to this. I hope. <laughs> I, I'll have to I'll have to do a, a check and see see what our Georgian <laughs> listeners are like. But I haven't. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't come across uh, any indicators that Mamka <laughs> Gorgodzi is listening to this. Um, all right, so next up is, to- is Tokyo for the for the crunch game. Anything to be aware of, you know, or is that going to be, you know, climate-wise, is that going to be fairly similar to what you'd expect in Toyota? In very, very, very similar. It, with it being coastal, mm-hmm. it does have the wind whereby Toyota is inland. Okay. They're playing in uh, 52,000-seater stadium in mm-hmm. Tokyo. A little bit put out, it wasn't given to Yokohama, 20 minutes south, which has got 72,000 yeah. seats. Uh, Tokyo, equidistant from both Sydney and the UK, okay. which means that there's still going to be um, a big expat presence. Yeah. And the Aussies are going to come over. Who will be managing the Aussies is probably a separate... Oh, it's practically an internal flight for the Aussies, isn't it? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're so far away from everything that Tokyo is like, you know, it's... That's almost, that's almost one of, an extended part of Australia, I think. So I, I imagine they'll come in good numbers, even though they've, they've been struggling as a, as a side. I think so. What you have to remember with Australia as well is that in between you've got places like Bali, yeah, um, yeah. Kuala Lumpur, and there's an awful lot of Antipodeans that are there applying yeah, their, yeah. their trade where for us going to Barcelona or to, or to Rome, it's a couple of hours away for those guys. You can go in and out in Tokyo on a, on a long weekend. So there'll be a there'll be a pretty hefty uh, gold presence atmosphere there will be pretty special yes and it's one it's one of the um, the very few games actually that's been very heavily oversubscribed in both the England, English and the Welsh pools okay so we're gearing for that one to be a, to be a big a big occasion what suits Wales really well is between game two they'll, they'll have to give everything to that game yeah. it will be the pool decider they've then got 11 days before they head back down to the southern island of Kyushu again to play Fiji. Now, that is a very generous break. It is, yeah. yeah. Again, instantly, we were talking about this off air, but we've already spoken about that game in 2015 where Wales were walking wounded and, you know, managed to get out of Twickenham with the most unlikely of wins. And it was then a four-day turnaround uh, to, uh, or or a five-day turnaround to um, a a game at the Millennium against Fiji. 
um, which I went to. But there, there was a moment in that game where, you know, some of the fittest players we've ever produced looked out on their feet. You know, Warburton, Alan jones who are players who never are never struggling for aerobic fitness. There was a point about 60 minutes in the game, you went, it's caught up with them now. <laughs> so to have that massive, that massive, you know, luxurious kind of turnaround to the Fiji game is a Seems, huge yeah. advantage, isn't it? Seems like a massive amount of time now. Yeah, 11 days. <clears throat> yeah. Japan have got the kindest schedule for um, uh, rest between matches. Okay. There's a few sides that are grumbling a little bit. It's a tournament where group stages have to, have to, has to be fitted in with four exact weeks. So yeah. that not everyone can be happy. But let's just do a little bit of maths on the go here because mm-hmm. I want to see how this builds up. Okay. So before the Australia game, and yeah. certainly before the Fiji game, England are playing Tonga. Okay. Who's winning that game? England bonus point win. England. Bonus point or not? No, I haven't got the bonus point yet. Yeah. All right. Now, I'm not sure the exact scoring mechanisms in terms of how many points, but if we say for this, this purposes of this, if you win a game and get a bonus point, you get five points? Yeah. yeah. So England playing first, five points. Wales are playing Georgia. Uh, Wales, Wales bonus point win. Bonus point? Yeah. Dan? Yeah, let's go bonus point. Fitness will tell because we'll Gatlin will, Gatlin will, Gatlin will have them in the, you know, an intensive training cap. So they will come into this as fit as as fit as they've Blow ever been. And I think they will. Um, I don't know about blown away, but I think when it comes to the last twenty minutes, they'll be that much fitter than Georgia, and that's that's where you'll get those tries. All right. Now I'd be surprised if any of you give me a, a direct answer to this one. Who's winning and what, who gets the bonus point, if any? Australia, Fiji. Um, Australia win and I think bonus point win do you think? yeah they'll score tries they will score tries yeah they will yeah it could be it could be loose that <laughs> yeah it could be like 50 <laughs> points to 40 I mean. but they'll get yeah they'll, they'll get a bonus point I don't so, know. We, go, so we think so we're going bonus point bonus winners. point top of the table yeah off Beckel order Australia on top yeah, yeah. yeah. Wales <laughs> Wales second then the crunch game we're talking about, yeah. Aussie Wales. Dan? Wales win. No, no bonus? No. <laughs> I, I'd say that, yeah. At the moment, right now, I'm going Wales win um, with Australia losing bonus point. Wales by four, I think, something like that. So Wales take four points out of that game. Yeah. And the okay. Aussies take one, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Very sensible. So Wales, Wales top of the group. Meanwhile, Eddie Jones flies down to Kobe. Mm-hmm. Another indoor stadium. They play USA. Are they winning that with a bonus? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So in the other pool, England are top. Okay. Wales are top. Australia are second. Yeah. All in agreement. Yeah. So. Yeah. Eleven day turnaround. Wales go to the Southern Island. They're playing Fiji. What happens? Eleven day turnaround. Oh, Wales. Wales win. And I think. Yeah, I'm just going to go Wales win. Actually. No bonus. No bonus. I knew I'm going. I'm going bonus. All right, go on. Then. I'm going bonus. All right, go on. Then you two to one. We won't. We've got it. That's yeah. It can't happen again. It's just caught. It's just caught up with me now. All of a sudden, that like I'm predicting Wales beat Australia in a World Cup game, and it just it just doesn't feel right. All of yeah. a sudden, so I'm starting to shrink away <laughs> yeah. into my shell. But I'll, I'll be led by your guys' confidence. And on behalf of the three of us, could we all comfortably say that Australia will beat Uruguay with a bonus Correct, point? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Wales still top. Australia second. Now. England then go to Tokyo, mm-hmm. base themselves there, and they've got two games. They're playing against Argentina first, and then France. Ooh. Tokyo Stadium, Saturday night, 
five o'clock. They'll have seen the day before um, or the week before that Australia played Wales. Yeah, they're on a seven-day turnaround after the after the USA game in Kobe. Okay, England Argentina current form. That'd be a cracker, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, current form, you would expect England to. Yeah, I told you that. It'd be a difficult game, I think, for them because they 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 tend to go well, don't they? They have this, they the have this habit of yeah. turning up in World Cups, even and though the they've passion, been in... like kicks in, and they yeah, everyone gets behind them, don't they? Yeah. Especially that anthem starts. I'm I'm, I'm, on, yeah, I'm with them. I'm I'm going to go England. Though. England win without a bonus point. Okay. Still keeps them top of the group mm-hmm. at this stage. I know we haven't spoken a lot about what France and Argentina are doing. Yeah. But really, the, the the games at the end of England, Argentina, and England. That's France. where it's going to be determined. And on the last game, which is Saturday the 12th of October, England would have seen Wales beat Fiji with a bonus point that we've almost unanimously agreed on. England v France. Now, over their shoulders, Wales are top three games, three bonus points. Australia is second. Currently, it's looking like England are playing Australia, unless they can do something remarkable against France. Or is this the point where the French do that unruly thing of flipping form upside down and, and win that game for me it is I mean this is a side this is a side who finished third in a pool stage and got to the final <laughs> and almost beat New Zealand on their own turf so <laughs> like you, you just is the biggest cliche that you never know what to expect from the French but you know stranger things have happened than France turning up and beating England in a World Cup I've got to be honest right, I'm not sold on England at the moment I don't think it's as harmonious as everyone makes out mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I think they were decent in the autumn but at home now this is this is miles away from home yeah. and okay yeah Eddie Jones might know the country well but I don't know I, I don't think, still don't think he knows what his best team is so I, I think this this could be this, this is by no means a, a foregone conclusion I'm I'm back in I'm back in France on that I really am I'm going France I, do, I personally I do I think England probably will get there but if it's two to one go with go with France France so Wales therefore final question a four day turnaround which can be quite tricky although if it's against Uruguay would you expect them to put the, the squad players out the, yeah. the Rezies will go yeah. out and then they'll get a they'll get a bonus point win bonus put the squad win. players out bonus point win bonus Definitely. point win um yeah, I mean, look, this Uruguay turned up and got hammered by Cardiff's reserves. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you'd hope that you'd hope that the Welsh, the, the the Welsh, even with a load of changes, could get a bonus point there. Now being being confident, so that's four wins for Wales in the World Cup, and we're currently on nine wins in a row, ten yeah. wins in a row, yeah. and we're going to beat France away in February on that Friday night because France have won three games out of the last nineteen. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> we couldn't be any more one-eyed here. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, one, minute, one minute I'm saying, oh, well, yeah, France could turn up the England. But then we go, oh, yeah, we'll stroll past them in Paris. Um, yeah, I don't think we're going to be unbeaten to the World Cup. I would be very surprised if we're able to... Well, there's tough, you know, tough warm-up games. Ireland home and away, England home, yeah. home and away. Yeah. Let's not get that too carried away. But for the purposes of this little... Exercise, which has not been pre-planned. This we've just talked through this <laughs> and <laughs> allowing ourselves to get carried away. Yeah. Although there are a couple of beers on the table, <laughs> Asahi appropriately enough, though. So that's good. Um, so that all of that leads us towards a quarter-final, a quarter-final with England. It does. Wales top of the group, and as winners oh, of, um, of that pool, 
will play England. And where, and in where does that take place then? That takes place in Oita, which is on the east coast of the island of Kyushu, where Wales already will have played Fiji okay. in a 40,000-seater stadium. It's not a closed roof, it's a three-quarter roof, whereby the majority is, um, is, is covered, but they do have natural light coming through. Athletics track around the outside, it's very okay. cavernous, uh, but a beautiful... That's a shame for a quarter-final, isn't it? I think, but if there is any quarter-final that's going to make a hell of a lot of noise that's going to get over an athletics track and onto the pitch, it's going to be Wales versus England. Well, think of it this way. From the distance we are now to the Lake District, that's the equivalent distance of where Osaka is to this, this stadium. So you, you're pitching the enormity of this game in the middle of nowhere, in humid conditions, <laughs> in October, where there's only one way to get in, and only one way to get out, and then suddenly you've got two of the Northern Hemisphere's biggest teams, 40,000 capacity stadium there. It's got all the recipe for a fantastic occasion. It does. And actually, you know, like even if we take off our, um, our red-tinted spectacles here for a minute, <laughs> um, if, you, if you turn it on its head, England could very easily top their group and Wales could very easily finish second in, in that pool. So this, this quarter-final scenario is has a huge amount a huge amount of chance that it could happen either way well let's have a look at before we get too far um, on that game itself on the other side of that draw it's looking like Ireland are going to win that pool yeah 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 comfortably and would it be fair to say that in the in the pool with New Zealand and South Africa the All Blacks will have the upper hand in that in that yeah, yeah, I think in so. That pool, yeah, perhaps a bit too good. strong. I mean, they look they look more more vulnerable than they have done for a while, but it's still the All Blacks, isn't it? Yeah, I mean those. Yeah, I think they'll uh, they'll sharpen up. They'll go up a couple of levels, mm. which puts Ireland against South Africa in the quarter. Who's winning that one? I'd imagine Ireland. Something. Of- the the, wow. the only thing is is that they World Cup they've never got past the World quite, Cup quarter final have they they've never got they've never got further than the quarter final they're, they're kind of they're kind of building they're building quite nicely aren't they they're so building quite got... nicely but I I think this is this is the time. Ireland I think this time round are the real deal the only thing that can derail them is if Sexton gets injured that's the only position that I think they've got a player who's not replaceable. Yeah, they're a very different player, haven't they? That comes in at ten, but he's, he's very, very everything. Good. Everything hinges on Sexton. Everything. Yeah, I, I there's something about South Africa that I I quite fancy. But what do you think, Mark? I think I'd be a massive upset. <laughs> I'm asking the questions here. <laughs> right, let's go. It's, it's, it's Ireland. It's Ireland then. It's Ireland. So if we can beat England, having already played in that stadium yeah. and got that familiarity. Are we beat Ireland? This is oh. madness. This is madness. Like, honestly, if you ask me now, would you? Would I take getting out of the group? I would, because it just gets too nerve wracking. I think we'll beat um, Ireland. Are you looking at me? <laughs> I, I think. I think we could beat England. I would. Uh, and then, look, World Cup semi-final against Ireland. Admittedly, we've never won one, but we have been to two World Cup semi-finals before. Yes. Um, and Gatland has the experience of. Yeah, there is no way that Wales should have won that game in 2015 that we keep coming back to. That just shouldn't have happened. It was just out of, you know, out of that mentality that I think Gatland is able to instill. Gets it in, gets it in, um, doesn't it? So yeah, go on. Then we're going to the World Cup final. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's another one for you. Cast your cast your mind back to 2011. We took a very young squad to New Zealand. Yes. Mm. And a lot of those boys played themselves into the 
the match day 22 yeah, against yeah. France. We all know what happened there. Mm. Now, eight years on, if we got there, how many of those boys that weren't household names then we'll be that the are side. now well, that have got that semi-final experience? Well, yeah, so I mean, Alan and James, I mean, he was even experienced there. That was his second World Cup, but yeah, he'll yeah. be there. Uh, yeah. Obviously, Walton's gone by the wayside, sadly. Um, Toby Faletan, you would expect if he's fit, would be there. Yeah. Not unthinkable to think Dan Lydiot could be in that side. Yeah. George North. George North. Be, uh, Lee Scott, Halfpenny. Scotty Williams. Scott yeah. Williams, Lee Halfpenny. Um, yeah. Liam Williams. Uh, I don't think Liam Williams is there, actually. Uh, it was just a little bit before the end of time. Hmm? Tips wasn't there either. No, they so who else would have been obviously Gethin's gone uh, Ken Owens Ken Owens was in this squad oh, but yeah. didn't play yeah he, he's um, is it, is it, is it, you know but he would have been, he'd have been sat there good, on that he'd have been in that dressing room that's a good that's a, that's a good, good number that's a, that's a good number and mm. that's 75 72,500 people in Yokohama Stadium you know you're one week away from, from that final and you've gone you've gone through a very tough tough pool you've beaten Australia it's Sliding doors. Now, mm. if Wales don't beat Australia, then and you end up in the other side of the draw. Yeah. And if England go the way we we progress, we sorry we um, we we predict. Yeah. Then it does get a little bit tougher because then you've got the likes of New Zealand that fall on that mm. way because they're always going to win that that particular group. Yeah. So the the route to the final is arguably a lot tougher. So all they have to do is win the group. I think I, I, I think the thing that the thing that this has demonstrated before we all get massively carried away here is that there's so many permutations that whatever happened, this is going to be one of the most open World Cups of all time. You know, you, we went into the last one, realistically, we knew that, you know, we knew, you knew New Zealand were going to win it, really, didn't you? You know, there, there was, I, I couldn't see anyone else winning it. You couldn't see anybody competing, um, really. With the most them. fascinating part of that World Cup, really, was the, was the battle to get out of Pool 8 yeah. between... England, Wales, and Australia, yeah. and you know, obviously, we know that that ended. I, mean, I think you go back to 2011; that was an interesting World Cup. Wales were a very much surprise package there, um, but again, New Zealand, you know, New Zealand just about getting over the line, kind of breaking the the curse. But really, you know, this one you could you could comfortably see Wales going on a run to the final, England going on a run to the final. Ireland going on around to the final. South Africa, yeah, our, our mate Ben Pegner thinks South Africa are going to be does, massive dark horses yeah. for the uh, for the World Cup. And then you know Australia turning up with a with a squad who can't buy a win, and then going on and making the final. They've done they're stuff com- like that before. They're always competitive. And France, you know, this is like five or six sides. It's the most competitive. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine if Scotland would have beaten New Zealand in the quarterfinals? What on earth would happen then? Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd be very. That, that's one thing I would be surprised to see, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, but, I mean, but it's fascinating, gap, isn't it? You know, the gap is... Quick, gap word, is quick word for Japan in all this, right? Because they are no mugs. They are no mugs, as the last World Cup proved. And it was a four-day turnaround that killed them in that, in that yeah. World Cup after getting that historic victory. Uh, were you at that one as well? Were you at the, the no, game I, I actually watched that game with the Georgian national team <laughs> in, um, in the Bristol Marriott, which is all very, very random. We first met... Or God to but there's a Are you holding hands. <laughs> he, he was trying, <laughs> <laughs> but we have, we're having a drink after the game, and the, the Japan SA game was on in the corner. No one was paying too much attention until the last 15 minutes, and 
people just started siding towards the TV oh, yeah. and, and you notice there's a crowd and it was what a 42 inch plasma I think nothing nothing fancy or, or too big and then you couldn't see the screen and you yeah. realised something was going on yeah but you, you, you pick up on that because you've, you've oh, you okay. remember what happened oh I mean that was that was just incredible yeah, yeah. so I mean I, I think that this is going to be really interesting for Japan yeah everything will have been built around this as soon as they were awarded yeah, everything was building towards this World Cup and they're no mugs. They gave, they gave England a damn good game at Twickenham yeah. the other week. Admittedly, they they rested a few players, but they will be targeting that Scotland. That Scotland game is a quarter final for them. Basically, it's, their, it's kind of their cup final, isn't it? Um, two sides who like to throw the ball around a bit, mm-hmm. and it's the kind of thing where you could almost you could see Scotland turn up and try to play too much rugby, like we did against Fiji in 07. We tried to play them at a game of sevens oh. and lost. You know, in a in a in a, in a, a massive a massively thrilling game for the neutral if not horrendous for the Wales fans so I could see something like that happening you know I could see it being a really fast open game and um, Scotland I think are a very good side now but their best wins their best form is at Murrayfield and yeah, they don't travel they don't travel, they don't travel particularly well and no. and Japan with a whole nation behind them um, you know there will be a sense of belief after what happened in 2015 that that they have the ability to to be giant killers and that that game is one that really sticks out to me actually as as one that could be a real cracker the very last game of the whole pool stages that is the final one is it really <laughs> the <laughs> final game Sunday the who, 13th so who else is in that group so, um, so Ireland okay you'd imagine they would beat Japan um, okay you, who do we know who Europe won on uh, yeah, be, Russia that would be Russia yeah. so, so Japan should beat them and Samoa and Samoa and Perpwin is so that's a tough game that's a tough game as well yeah Japan have just beaten Russia yeah uh, at Hartbury College that's right yeah, yeah. it was yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that famous rug grown I think yeah. they had 36 people there for that and the, I watched the uh, the Fiji-Uruguay game and uh, lovely facilities there but it just seemed yeah. bizarre to watch yeah. a, le- a game at that level with, with, with nobody there watching but that that's always been a tough encounter for Japan the games have been very close between mm. Japan and Russia and Lynn Jones, the the, yeah. the legend, uh, the, the legendary lunatic that is. Hell of a um, <laughs> but let's let's presume they get past they they get past Russia, Samoa. That's that's a that's a big game. It's not unthinkable to think they could beat. Them. I yeah. mean, you got two sides who play completely different rugby there, and Samoa will be looking to smash looking to smash Japan, and Japan will be looking to. They're, they're very very organised, Japan. Aren't they? Yeah, super organised. Is that you slipping your drink? I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> as you say, Mark, Mark's tucked into another asahi. Yeah. So, yeah, if you can pick up any slurping noises here, I, I am sure it's Dan Killick's. One it's of Dan a Killick's, very strange way of drinking in Derby. One, <laughs> one of Dan Killick's, uh, one of Dan Killick's dogs rather than uh, rather than our guest. Um, but let's let's go, let's move on to beer then, right? Because obviously, if you if you're heading over there, everyone, I suppose that's that's sometimes part of the concern that it's. You know, you spend a lot of money heading to the other side of the world, and then you've got to spend a load more having a beer, enjoying it. Uh, what can we expect, food and drink-wise? You will, well, if you live in London, you'll be very, very surprised of going somewhere that you think is more expensive than this city, and in fact, it's an awful lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. I have, I kept all my receipts, like like any good journeyman, on on my last <laughs> trip to to Japan, and um, it averages about four hundred and fifty yen. For a, for a beer, that sounds like an awful lot, but one fifty to the pound—that's that's pretty much three quid a drink. That's, that's quite, quite, quite surprising, isn't it? I yeah. would have thought it'd be a lot more than that. 
they have a huge um, a huge craft beer scene and it's very competitive within prefectures so prefecture within regions across they've got 48 within 47 I should know that 47 or 48 I'll be corrected in, in Japan it's very very competitive as to who can make the make the best beer right. you have your biggies like Asahi Sapporo but also mm. lots of independent breweries there whiskey sake very popular but it's not as expensive as people imagine and are there other other elements of Japan as well that are very very cost effective such as the the travel mm. as an international tourist to Japan as long as you don't live there and you are in classes international you can, you're able to buy what's called JR Pass or Japan Rail Pass okay. now other than subways in each city which are owned independently a JR Pass will get you access onto any sing, every single Shinkansen route or bullet train within the country other than the two very 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 fast ones but an average of 182 miles an hour even the third fastest is no, is no, is no slouch now you can pre-book your tickets or you can simply turn up on the day off the cuff with your JR pass, which looks like a passport, you simply show that to the, the station staff and you're on the next train. And the trains come every 20 minutes, 25 minutes to pretty much anywhere in Japan. So you've got a huge amount of flexibility. You could wake up one morning and say, you know what, we might go up to Saitama to watch a game, or if you're in Tokyo, yeah. you might go to Iwati to watch the Namibia match yeah. in the recovery stadium there hasn't cost you a penny because you've already prepaid your your pass interesting so again if you're following if you're following um wales you know starting in toyota and then and then playing in tokyo can you get a, a train between those between those two places you certainly can Amazing. yes yeah the um if you well i suppose our listeners can't can't see the the map of japan but if you if you can imagine where tokyo is on the uh, on the eastern coast there is a direct Shinkansen that runs all the way across country past the major cities of Yokohama, the, pre- the Shizuoka Prefecture. It goes to Osaka, Kyoto, Kobe, Hiroshima, and right down into um, Fukuoka in the in the Southern Island. So there's one direct train, and that, like any network, there are trains that go to certain points. You can jump off and then catch another train to certain certain points along that that particular route. But it's very dynamic and very, very, very flexible. Not only does it give you access rights to the Shinkansen or the bullet train, but JR have a local network, so our our southeastern yeah. or southwestern, albeit more more reliable. <laughs> okay, there's no yeah. there's no strike action, and the the bit that you always hear about travel in in Japan that everything is on time, and you go there and you think, well, that can't possibly be that yeah. every single train is is. A, when the train is due to come in at 16.53, then you get to the platform a minute before, yeah. and people have stood there in a very orderly line on little bits of paint that are marked on the platform that you stand on. It's all beautifully eloquent. That train comes in 40 seconds before, the shutters open, people board it in orderly fashion, and it leaves at the exact time it's supposed to. I mean that's amazing, really. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's again. Yeah. I'm just, just yeah, thinking, way around it. Thinking, yeah, <laughs> thinking to having you know spent ten years commuting on London's on London's trains. I'm thinking you know the the rail network. This World Cup could be held in Somalia, and it would have better it would have better rail connections than, than Southwest London does. Um, so I mean that that's again that's a obviously a positive being able to get out and about easy enough and uh, in a pretty cost effective way as well. And if you're ever struggling whilst you're there. 
they hosted the World Cup, the Soccer World Cup in 2002 yeah. with South Korea very, very well. They learned an awful lot. They're like sponges in Japan. If you read a lot about the presence of the, the Japanese in 2015 in England for the World Cup, they wanted to see how, how, how England or how Britain did it. Of course, it was a very cosmopolitan tournament in England yeah. with eight games in Cardiff at the, <laughs> at the time. They watched, they learned, they listened. And everywhere you go in Japan, the, the signs are in dual language. Japanese and English. It's a very, very easy place to navigate um, around. Yeah, that would have been a, a, a sort of concern for me, I suppose, thinking how am I going to, how would I get around? You know, you, 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 I think you think that, you know, that you could be lost there. And so they're very... Dan, they're if, really, any, if anyone could, I would be lost. If anyone could manage to mess yeah. up straightforward travel, it would be you. It, so, uh, <laughs> it would be, yeah. So that's, that's lovely to hear. So, uh, yeah, I need that. So they're, they're helpful. But yeah, they're a, a nice step for the indignity of a, a tour operator. A, never gets lost, or B, never admits to getting lost. <laughs> Uh, Asterix, unless they're on a podcast where they, they finally come clean. Yeah. My first trip to Japan, I was in Tokyo Station. Sorry, I was in um, Shinagawa Station, which has around about 2.5 million um, users per day going through it. And I just couldn't get my head around which exit. And, and I had this, the station map, and it was going left, right, up and down. And, and I felt a presence around me. And I looked around, there were two or three people there who just had stopped and could see my discomfort and, and offered, offered their help. And I wondered whether if, if I was in Vauxhall, <laughs> whether the great British public would be doing the same to a Japanese, yeah. Japanese tourist. Oh, it's the, it's the yeah. kind of place where um, everybody wants to, to help you. There's no litter in the street. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's just a beautiful, friendly, random, um, very eclectic country. Go there um, and enjoy it. it 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 has everything for a rugby tour we'll, we'll quickly touch on food just to, to finish on as well um one more as well uh, have you gone and gone in then i was i was gonna say music <laughs> <laughs> what's the what's the music like there what <laughs> that's that's something on that's something on my uh on my mind what what is the what is the music like because i reason being when i went to um when i went to thailand right I didn't know what I didn't know what to expect in sort of uh, on the music front, and they I went to Chiang Mai, and they were big into uh, jazz, which was or well the place I was in, but it just completely threw me, and I thought it was fantastic seeing a load of Thai people playing jazz music, and it was absolutely superb. So it's probably pretty mixed over there, is it? But. I, I think you're trying you, to work out whether I know any jazz bars for you in Tokyo. Yeah, I am, yeah. This is a curveball, this one. Yeah. Really left field. That's very I don't know where this has come from, yeah. The, the Japanese jazz scene. I can only comment on uh, one of the most stereotypical but fantastic evenings I experienced in Osaka this year. Yeah. One of those nights we I was out with a couple of friends felt a little bit mischievous so we we found a great little little bar in Dotenbori area of Osaka where it was, must have been six feet by four feet and it was full you know four yeah. stools four people yeah. there but they, they found room for us um and the guy there was a big queen fan dressed as a cowboy uh, and we yeah. said about karaoke and afterwards he shut his bar and he walked us across town to this karaoke bar and it was everything that you wanted in it the drunk Japanese on the bar passed yeah. out yeah. um all, all nationalities in, in there. Wonderful customer service and a karaoke machine that seemed to be our go every other turn. And um, we were pretty big spenders in there, yeah. <laughs> Drink, drinking our beers. It was, it was a little bit more than 450 yen for beer in that place. So, well, it was more like about 600, 650. 
it was free to get in and we you had a great time. <laughs> Six AM we 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 left there in, in the best mood ever. It was just one of those very random nights singing all yeah. the classics. So you can expect that with blues. I, I, yeah, I think karaoke, karaoke is the one actually that yeah, I, yeah, I, I should have thought, I should have thought of that when you started talking about music, that that's what you're after. Yeah, it was, um, yeah. And yeah, quickly on uh, quickly on food before we bring it back to rugby, uh, Mark. Again, if um, is Dan Killick going to have to pack a load of uh, a load of ready meals here, or is there is there plenty to experience for well, the you, most uncultured palate such as his? You certainly wouldn't need to pack any pot noodles. There. <laughs> I didn't discover this until my my second trip over to Japan that the the typical culture in the evenings is to eat out. Yeah. In in Japan. Which makes it very, very, very competitive price-wise to go and have uh, food. You don't necessarily need to be sitting down and having uh, long, drawn-out meals whilst you're there. There's a big street food culture there. There are many restaurants that like to have you in and out quickly. So okay. if you've got 15 minutes, you can sit down and bowl a ramen um, anywhere for four or five pounds in right. any any, any major city. Ideal. Mm. Uh, the, one of my favourite words is izakaya, which is a Japanese word for bar with with food and music nice. and, and beer. So you, you, you go in there, and there's a big party atmosphere, you can get served very, very quickly, food and drink, and you're there. It is typically on a, on a, on a Monday to Friday full of Japanese businessmen and businesswomen and very loud, very clattery, load, loads going on. Um, but a really sort of nice experience. And one refreshing thing about the Japanese bars, which... I wonder how this is going to work for the World Cup. Is that the, you don't have a lot of TVs in the bars? It's all about that human connection. Mm. Okay. Yeah. All that, all about personality, about connectivity, about having a great time with your with, with yeah. your friends yeah. instead of having Jeff Stelling and the and yeah, on every yeah. on fourteen screens around the bars. So you must go and, and expect a very lively culture, but perhaps a little different in the way that they present their their bars and restaurants in the UK. Interesting. All right. Well, let's bring it back to rugby just to uh, just to finish. Um, obviously, we were getting carried away about fifteen minutes ago, uh, plotting out a uh, plotting out a Wales victory. Um, and ask each of you for your prediction as to who is going to win the Rugby World Cup in twenty nineteen. Starting with you, Dan. We've already we've already solved that. It's, uh, it's Wales. Um, so go on, You've got five of your hardest earned pounds. Where are you putting that money? I do quite fancy South Africa. Um, well, you get I think you get decent value for that. Yeah, there's something I, I I do quite fancy. I think they're going. I think they're they're going to be they're going to be pretty competitive come the uh, you know come the World Cup. Mm. So I'm going to go. That's a little bit a little bit left field yeah. there, but I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. With, I'm going to go with South Africa. Okay. What about you, Mark? Uh, I am going to plump for a New Zealand v Wales final. Yeah. What should have been the 2011 final. Yeah. By that point, we would have perhaps exhausted ourselves yeah. in getting there. For me, it's going to be the. I don't like saying it, but I think it'll be the All Blacks. Yeah. And you? Um, well, I'm notoriously pessimistic about these things, so I feel like if I if I if I were to actually be optimistic now or even realistic and go, oh yeah, Wales are going to make it to the final. I would, you know, I'd rather I didn't say it and it did happen, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, whatever the opposite of tempting fate is. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go for New Zealand to win it. Um, 
And again, just because if Wales don't win stuff, I like it to be the status quo and New Zealand win it. I've got no qualms in New Zealand. I don't know, you know, I couldn't deal with England winning another World Cup. It'd be, it'd be horrendous. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go and go for New Zealand just for safety. But uh, you know, I, I'm very excited about Wales's chances. I am. Like I think we've we're starting to be at the best right chance, time. I think. In any, in any World Cup, I think it's the best chance going into it. You know, obviously we still got however got nine you know, nine mm. nine months to go. As, as we said, there's there's so many teams that are capable yeah. of of you yeah. know of, of beating anybody on the day, which is why I think it makes this World Cup probably the most interesting I mean, of them all. For New Zealand to win three in a row is a massive ask. It is a huge, huge ask. Um, mm. Australia, who are you know one of those sides who normally turn up are, are going to have to step up a huge amount to be competitive South Africa you said I think are good dark horses yeah. um, so I mean it's, it's, it's much more open than than you know really any of the last have been well I'm going to take heart from Matt Williams winning the Snooker World Championship yeah. this year so if uh, yeah. if he can randomly come from nowhere to win it then know, we've got a chance let's hope so <laughs> and I'm going to finish then because um, as well as obviously the the team's it's always an opportunity to, to watch players at the highest level. So I'm going to ask each of you for, for one player that you're looking forward to, to looking at, you know, to kind of to seeing at the um, at Rugby World Cup. So not, not a Welshman, but which player are you most looking forward to seeing at, at Rugby World Cup 2019? For me, I'm sticking with uh, South African theme here. So it's Chesling Colby. The guy is. Someone's been doing his own work, haven't yeah, they? Yeah, he is. Uh, he, he's fun, isn't he? He is. He is fun. Yeah, he's absolutely electric, isn't he? Boxer tricks. Five foot seven. I think about eleven stone seven. He is. Yeah, he's electric. And um, yeah, fullback or wing. I can't wait to see him. Yeah, yeah. He was. Um, Puts like, a smile on your face. The opening ten minutes of that Wales that Wales game the other week. I think he touched the ball three times. He'd caused you know seven players to miss tackles, oh, no, yeah, and no, he, did, he didn't get the ball the rest of the game. Yeah. Mm. He didn't get the ball the rest of the game. But yeah, he's uh, he's yeah. You know, there's a touch of the the Shane Williams jinking feet about him, isn't there? And yeah, he's, serious, he's definitely going to be exciting pace. to watch. What about you, Mark? Well, just adding to that, there's a good friend of mine, Barry, who runs Firepower Sport, who designs the headguard for him, and he also oh, um, right. uh, does the headguard for uh, obviously the fullback for Cardiff. Matthew Morgan Matthew Morgan yeah did that amazing try oh, so yeah. his social media has been bouncing all weekend I'm I'm going to plump for the maturity or the well he by that point he was really matured into a, an attacking fullback Jordan Lamar oh, Lama okay. should Lama, I say Lama yeah. replacing yeah. the effervescent uh, Rob Carney yeah they'll you think he'll be starting he'll be starting for Ireland by then I think that he will he will ease his way into the tournament yeah. And by the semis, he will be electric. Okay. For me, I'm going to go. It's between two players for me. The the gnarly forward in me is saying Brody Vitalik, um, <laughs> but at the same time, the uh, the frustrate the frustrated never was back in me is saying is saying Bowden Barrett, just because I think that this is the the opportunity for mm. him to to sh- you know we know he's got all the ability in the world, um, but unlike most. New Zealand players is that slight chink in his armour and his goal kicking and I'm fascinated to see how it plays out because I, I like a kind of flawed a flawed genius of a player I love Carlos Spencer for similar you know for yeah. similar reasons and um, and I just think you know Barrett has he's got so much pace um, his kicking game is amazing and his, his handling and the offloads and everything like that and I'm really excited to see him do it as as the starting 10 now um, you know, a lot of pressure comes with that New Zealand 10 shirt. 
Mm. Um, and a lot of you know a lot of people have struggled to live up to the billing over the years. Others have you know have really kind of grown when they pulled it on. So I'm I'm keen to see how he does it at the absolute biggest stage possible. Three good choices. It's good. It's nice, exciting stuff to finish. I can hardly wait now. And um, if that's whetted your appetite, is, is the, I don't know. Is the, is the past tense wetted? But I don't know. If that wets your appetite, anyway, um, then uh, yeah, Mark, tell us how you can get involved and uh, and book one of uh, book one of these trips. Well, we've we've put together four trips for, for Wales fan: the Amatazi, the Himawari, Datsuzoku, and the Ichigo Ichii. Ichii all of which have got very specific meanings and okay. uh, travel packages between fifteen days and seventeen days. So head over to our website msgtours.com forward slash supporters. Click on the Japan link, and you can see how you can be part of the action with us over in Japan next year. Amazing. Well, thanks for joining us, Mark. It's been, uh, been an absolute pleasure. It's definitely got me excited. I'm going to be struggling to, uh, struggling to go to sleep now, thinking about that, that, that route out of the pools, and God knows, God knows where it may or may not go. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back to talk rugby with you very, very soon. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.